0: And welcome back to the Jewish Executive Leadership Speaker Series and the Schmooze powered by JGSI. I'm Maddie Demchik. And today we are joined by Ashton Rosen, Operating Partner and Head of Capital Formation at Lower Carbon Capital. Welcome, Ashton. We are so excited for you to be joining us today. Hi there. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm very happy to be here. Amazing. So first, why don't you introduce yourself to our grad students with under three minutes or so? where you grew up, um, your path to where you are today, education, career, all the good stuff. Absolutely.
1: So I was born in Johannesburg, South Africa. I uh, immigrated with my family when I was younger to San Diego, where there happened to be a very robust community of of South African Jews. And so I grew up uh, in Southern California um, before attending uh, UCLA for for my undergraduate studies. I studied uh, international development and disability studies um, and made it my mission to really find the nexus between those two spaces. Uh, So I spent a bunch of time um, advocating on the Hill in Washington, D.C. on international disability rights after that uh, and then ended up um, becoming a fellow with uh, the Joint Distribution Committee um, based in Jerusalem uh, to work um, in their kind of disability engagement programs um, and specifically spent a bunch of my time uh, thinking about higher education settings in Israel and how do you create uh, better access and pathways for, uh, you know, students with disabilities to to better be successful in colleges and universities in uh, the Israeli ecosystem. And after that, my career took a bit of a left turn. I was extremely and am extremely passionate about disability rights um, and still work on that in a number of different ways. But um, decided I was going to take a step back from the nonprofit and the NGO world's and really seek out, uh, you know, what does capital markets look like, and what role do capital markets play in enacting sort of change in the world? Uh, I took a massive 180, going from disability rights to working in the hedge fund ecosystem. But I joined an, an asset manager in Los Angeles for a period of time where I really kind of learned learned the the tricks of the trade, uh, you know, from the ground up, uh, and really spent my time starting to build relationships with big asset managers in the world, predominantly foundations and endowments sovereign wealth funds and pension plans trying to kind of create business solutions for for them on the on the hedge fund and venture capital side of things I decided uh, to really make my move back to the impact-driven nature of the work I used to do uh, by working in uh, venture capital focused on these issues. And today I work for for Lower Carbon. We're uh, a climate-dedicated venture capital firm. And my job is to help bring in those capital partners who are looking for places to to really uh, spend their capital supporting the energy transition.
0: It's a great story. And I think it kind of leads into something I talk a lot about with people. And it's kind of about finding interest, mixing interest with career. And I think you told a great story about, you know, you first followed passion and then you kind of took a 180. And so can you speak a little bit more about kind of that change and what that 180 looks like and how for our grad students that may happen and that's normal and that's okay. And just speak on that a bit. Yeah, it was really dramatic.
1: I had a very nonlinear journey into the world of quote unquote hard finance. I sit, it, you know, across the table from these folks who have, you know, investment banking experience and private equity and an MBA and all these things that I just don't have and, and, and never will have um, and sometimes find myself you know, really questioning why and how am I here? I think that uh, outside in perspective tends to really help me um, in the work that I do and sort of bridge those gaps from a conversational perspective. But it definitely wasn't easy. I think for me, it was actually um, more than the existential crises I was having on a day-to-day basis working in hedge funds after coming from like real deal nonprofit work. I think it was the lingering question for me of how do I bring that back? And what do I believe? and how do sort of the models and systems of change that I believe in shift as I get more experiences? And the hard reality for me was, is I couldn't see myself going back strictly into the nonprofit space anymore. Uh, I wanted to find a space that took for profit and capital markets and met impact. Uh, and have, have been searching for the last few years on a place that I think that is authentic, um, that is actually going to be sustainable and can be scaled. And that's what really brought me to, to lower carbon.
0: That's really, that's really great. So walk us through a bit about what your day-to-day looks like. Obviously, probably is not the same every day, but just a typical day or a typical week in your
1: career. Great question. I have a very dynamic role, which is what keeps it interesting. Uh, It also means I wear a lot of hats. Um, I am a, a you know, sort of glorified fundraiser. I think about business strategy. I think about product development. I think about PR opportunities and PR training for our partners. Um, I spend a lot of time really talking to our investors. My job is is really to translate the work that we do every day with our capital and tell that story back to them of what are we seeing? What is exciting? What has been challenging? What should they know about what their capital is doing in, in the marketplace? And so Moreover, that to me feels like the really core of the business is I am trying to be that that sort of transparent extension of lower carbon as a human being back to the investors that I work with every single day. So it's you know beyond the lists and the and the details and working through our CRM systems and all that good stuff. And um, to me, it's really like the human to human interaction that defines every single sort of day of the work that I do. I think ultimately my job is like extreme. De- Detail orientation meets uh, real strategy um, and being really thoughtful on how to protel, propel the business forward. Um, my job is to make sure we have the capital in place to, to do so, but be thoughtful, honest, and I think responsible with how we use that capital.
0: So you mentioned human interaction and kind of how that's you know a big, big piece of the puzzle. So a lot of things that, you know, grad students and people recently graduated. First, entering the workforce, you hear about human interaction and the importance of it, both in and outside the workplace, whether via just speaking with coworkers or networking. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, obviously, you mentioned how it factors in your job, but kind of the importance outside the workplace and just what those interactions, the best practices, I guess.
1: Absolutely. I even though this is very antithetical to my job, I am an introvert through and through. Like I think of myself and feel like a wallflower. And um, though I am thrust into rooms where I am supposed to be networking typically with, you know, men in navy blue suits all of the time. Um, And so for me, like those are just not I've learned, I think, over the years, those are not the, uh, the spaces that i play to my strengths. I am much more successful, but also feel like I can engage more authentically with other people when I'm one-on-one. And so I have learned to sort of carve out spaces inside of those networking opportunities to, to create one-on-one connectivity and interaction. And for me, a lot of that has to do with really, really diligent follow-up. It's, uh ah, that person mentioned that their sister was having a baby soon. Maybe I should check in and find out. Like, how that went and how the family's been growing. It's it's trying to remember, again, the human nature, I think, of the person on the other side of the table, even though it's a commercial interaction or it's a potentially business-related interaction. I'm sure the audience here hears this all the time. I think most of us have gotten our opportunities in many of our jobs by knowing other people, um, then more so than it's come through you know finding a job on LinkedIn. Uh, that's always been, been true for me. And I think uh, the... People who have taken a chance on me have taken a chance on me because of that outside-in perspective. And so I I try to, uh, I think, be open-minded when I'm interacting with people and sort of seek out like, what is that story about them that's more interesting than their resume um, that we can talk about and, and connect with each other on?
0: I think that's great. And I think that's a great message. And like you said, a lot of people are hearing one thing, but there are multiple ways and channels to kind of find that connection. So I think that was really important. So thank you. So let's kind of switch gears a little. And so looking back on the earliest stages of your career, um, what were your significant success factors? So for what do you advocate for young people just starting their careers who kind of want to get into a similar position and place that you're in?
1: It's, you might, you know, again, my journey has been somewhat varied, but I think a thread line that, that really you can find in every piece of that journey is that putting myself in an environment where I've been able to build the trust with my my boss or my supervisor, uh, and therefore a fair amount of autonomy. Uh, what I know about myself now that wasn't always so clear to me when I started my career is that I very much learned by doing. I learned by getting my hands pretty dirty, which is antithetical to how I thought I learned. I am like your nerdy type A student who spent all of my time studying whenever I possibly could with then 15 other extracurricular activities. Um, and so for me, I think I, I, I realized fast, though, in making that shift from the academic world to the professional world that I needed to uh, you know, really be challenged and be in an environment where I didn't know anything all of the time. like I wanted to be the one coming from sort of the back of the pack forward and, you know, learning an entire industry like hedge funds when I literally didn't know what the term was when I went in for a first interview. Um, and then being, you know, using those type A skills to get really diligent. So, I, you know, writing myself a set of questions all day and at night studying up on what did that term mean? And what were they talking about in that meeting? Um, and I really thrived by by going from sort of zero to one in those ways. Um, and, and, for me, again, that that kind of comes back to this idea of autonomy. It's having people who trust that I am running really fast towards the mission set out by the entire collective. I'm going to represent the values of that group uh, in the way that that, you know, my my bosses and supervisors hope that I would, but I'm going to do it my own way with my own flair um, and be able to have a lot of a lot of rope to be able to do so. And that's been the spaces I thrive the most, is where I have that real. Autonomy. Um, And so it's less been about the personalities or the industry, given I've shifted quite a bit over my time. Uh, But when that structure is in place, I think I'm able to do my best work and, and serve the organization the best.
0: That's great. And I think that's also important the autonomy piece. Is that something you don't hear that much? So I appreciate that also. So looking at kind of the industry that you work in, or we can talk about that, or the work that you did at the beginning, totally up to you. What are some important factors and trends, kind of in the industry, that you think are affecting it currently? Kind of the trajectory it's on, just industry as as a whole.
1: Absolutely, uh, we can definitely talk about what I do today, which is, uh, you know, figuring out uh, how to, you know, reverse the effects of climate change and prevent more of those negative effects from happening. Uh, I think, you know, that's a huge problem. It's a massive global problem, and I think. Uh, on that, back to that human level, on that one-to-one level, I think it's sometimes really hard for individuals to relate to such a big problem and figure out, like, can I do anything about this, and does it really matter? Uh, The answer is we all seemingly are are coming to understand uh, is that it very much does matter, but there are different ways to go about, I think, making that impact. Uh, You know, for me, I had gained a lot of pretty disparate skills over my journey. Um, I happened and have a, a large Rolodex of relationships now in this kind of ins- institutional investor space. Um, I, I know how to move money into impactful places. And so for me, it was it's a good challenge and continues to be a challenge of how do I speak to uh, investors who are typically looking for what are gonna be returns on their capital. Um, and I think the fallacy at the moment is that investing in climate change related companies is philanthropy. Philanthropy is extremely important and we need to have that as it relates to the fight on climate change. however um I think that is a complete fallacy and that we're actually generate we're able to generate real investment returns by investing uh, in and around climate change opportunities and so um that's you know I think consistently like where our conversations begin is like it's a quite a lot of skepticism of like what is this firm really doing? does this make any sense? is this going to be real deal? and I'm seeking to win uh, capital that's not concessionary, meaning they're not giving this capital away thinking it may or may not generate a return. I want to win this capital to say they know they're going to make a huge return by putting their money to work in this space. That to me feels like both a skill that I have and the most impactful way for me to uh, engage in climate change, but it's sort of the tip of the iceberg because it feels to me, especially in the United States context, that uh, moving capital markets towards climate change is sort of going to be the one of the key mass approaches to doing anything uh, about this.
0: That's yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think it brings up a lot of important points about climate change and, you know, everyone's role in it. So big question in, you know, the next several years, like you said, climate change and kind of markets and the finance around climate change is changing. If you had to pick one or two things that we as young people entering the workforce should be paying attention to when it comes to your industry, what would you say those, that one or two or three, however many you want, big things are? Sure. I think, um,
1: isn't sort of describing this as somewhat of of a nascent set of technology or investment opportunities at the moment. I think that's dramatically going to change. I think that every investment professional of the future, um, whether that's at the start of your career or out of grad school, getting an MBA or whatever it is, um, is going to have to consider climate change in investing. Um, This isn't going away. It's maybe its own bucket of investments or its own vertical of investments at the moment. I think it is absolutely going to be a horizontal. Uh, it's going to be something that will affect every single kind of business, whether it's public markets or private markets, it's going to you know, affect how we invest our personal money or our retirement capital. And um, I really think this is going to be fully embedded um, in the way that we operate as a massive industry who are holders of a lot of power, uh, given the capital stack that, that these groups own. And so um, I think you're going to see that move faster than than is expected.
0: That's really important. So thank you for that. And so now shifting gears once again to kind of something entirely different. So I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, this is the Jewish Executive Leadership Speaker Series. So I want to talk a little bit about what being Jewish means to you. And that can be childhood, workplace, outside the workplace, however you want to answer that. Just speak a little bit on that. And if it has impacted your career, and if it hasn't, that's okay also.
1: Absolutely. So I'm um, I'm very closely tied with my duties, I have been since I was young. Um, I grew up in a relatively traditional home. Um, again, I'm a South African Jew, and so our customs really reflect a lot of, of what my parents and I brought with us when when we immigrated. So for me, uh, it's extremely important, um, both from a li- religious perspective, but very much so from a cultural perspective. Um, I think it's ingrained in me the values that drive you know, myself, how I engage with the people around me, but also how I do my work. And I would also say that for me, one of the first kind of really clear conceptions that I can point to in one sentence about what Judaism is, is I think the propensity to ask questions and the propensity to do so uh, honestly and without you know, pushback, and that being a very welcome part of the religion, and that was something I really connected to. I grew up again in this more traditional home, but my parents created a lot of space for me to ask those questions of, I'm not just a traditional Jew because I'm a traditional Jew, but I could then select for that. And I I spent a lot of my time in Israel, in particular, uh, finding my own connectivity to the different parts of my my Jewish and cultural identity. Uh, you know, I've I've spent time in the Jewish professional world. I you know I worked with the, with the JDC, which was probably the, one of the most fulfilling, uh, you know, job experiences I've ever had. Um, and I've been able to, I think, carry that through into to my other work. And so I definitely am the question asker. Uh, it's, it's you know, I'm, both, I'm a skeptic, I'm an optimist, but that comes to me with a lot of questions and trying to sort of find my way, my own personal connectivity to the work that I'm doing. And that feels very Jewish in the way that I'm doing it. I think, um, especially working in big industry and in a tough industry like financial services, um, doing the work that I'm doing with as much, I think, integrity as I possibly can also feels like a very Jewish value to me. And that's been really important. I've I've come from spaces where I was the only woman working on the team. Um, and there's a lot of complexity to to what that looks like from a gender dynamics perspective and how to be uh, engaging with really hard topics like that with, with integrity, but also encouraging those around me to do so uh, has been maybe not a way in which I thought my Judaism would play out in hedge funds, um, that happens to be something that's really, I think, driven you know my moral compass as both a human and a professional simultaneously.
0: So those are really great messages and I appreciate the openness and I agree. I think asking questions is a really core value of Judaism. So I think that that's amazing. And I think I that's something that I need to instill more in my life is asking more questions but I appreciate your story and kind of what you had to say. Um, So the last bit of our podcast is the most fun part. Not that this hasn't all been super fun, (laughs) but we call it our rapid fire round. So just quick quick questions, one to two word answers, um, just for our students to get to know you a little bit better. So our first question we'll start with is your favorite series that you've recently watched.
1: I recently watched Game of Thrones because I'm extremely behind most cultural (laughs) norms. And uh, I didn't think that was something I would really love. It's not like my typical taste in movies or books, but um, it's very compelling.
0: I agree. Um, What is your favorite place that you have visited or you wish to travel to either? Probably one of the most
1: places I've ever been to was uh, visiting the Jewish community in in East on Turkey. Wow, that's great
0: um what is a book is there a book that has had a major impact on your life
1: I am a I'm a very very active reader um and so I tend to read like many books all at the same time um so it's pretty hard for me to choose one um I would say that um Probably The Book Thief, um, which I read in high school, like many, many years ago. Um, I have spent a lot of my time advocating for Holocaust survivors, and I think my connectivity to that moment actually drew back
0: to that book. I agree. I love that book. (laughs) Um, What is the most used app on your phone?
1: probably Google Maps. I don't (laughs) use social media at all, aside from LinkedIn, because I live in uh, a hole, a dark hole. Um, But um, I'm a big
0: traveler, and I love to walk. And so I use that uh, voraciously. I agree. I also use it because I have a horrible sense of direction. So I've grown up in the same town for a really long time, (laughs) but I still have to put directions on. Um, What is your favorite Jewish holiday? Ooh, that's a good
1: one. Um, I think for me it is probably uh, Rosh Hashanah. Um, I I have a very fast-moving, dynamic life, and I, have, as mentioned, extremely Type A. It's probably the one time in the year, though, I actually take a step back and try and do some, uh, like physical and really dedicated reflecting on the year past and the year to come. Um, and I appreciate that marker also being, um at a different point of the year than, you know, January 1st at the kind of quote unquote, um, you know, established start of the year in other ways.
0: Like that. And then finally, what is one word that you associate with being Jewish? Why? It's a really good one. And that is one we have not heard yet. So I love that. Well, Ashton, thank you so much for your honesty, your stories, your insights. We appreciate it. And it was great hearing from you and having you on today.
1: I I appreciate you having me. Um it's it's my pleasure. It's it's been great to spend time.